Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. The Gospel of the Lord. So the first reading we have this morning, uh, again from the Acts of the Apostles, we witness an absolutely astounding moment in the history of uh, Christianity, the movement of Christianity. And honestly, it's an absolutely pivotal moment in world history, this encounter with Peter and these uh, Gentiles. What we see, first of all, is um, what we would call uh, Petrine primacy, the primacy of Peter, which uh, we as Catholics, we believe, right, that there is a primacy to the Petrine office, the successors of Peter, right? There was a, a formula in the early church uh, that was Rome has spoken, right? So you had all these heads of different metropolitan sees. You'd had the head of the, the metropolitan of Antioch and the metropolitan of Byzantium, all these different places. But it was when the head of the, the Bishop of Rome spoke is when the matter was settled, when the matter was closed. You see that over and over again in the writings of the church fathers. So you have in this example here, um, they're debating, discussing, conversing, and then Peter stands up to deliver um, his pronouncement, right? So what is Rome speaking to in this first reading? Well, they're uh, the issue, again, from yesterday's first reading, the issue concerning circumcision, whether Gentile converts need to be circumcised and uh, follow the entire Mosaic law. That's what Peter is addressing. So he arises, and he says something that's absolutely astounding for a first-century Jew. Like, the very issue that was cooked into the DNA of Israel, of Judaism from the start, from Abraham up to the present, the very defining feature, I guess you could put it, was Israel's unique identity versus that of all other nations. Like, it was their uniqueness. It was their, uh, like, exclusive identity, that they were the chosen people. They were God's chosen people. There was us, and then there was a them, right? There was the Jews, the chosen people, and the goim, everybody else. Everybody else, all the nations. So to be Jewish was to be firmly rooted in that identity that was defined in contrast to other nations, right? We were God's chosen people, his chosen people. That was like baked into the cake of Judaism. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see all these prohibitions against fraternizing, if you will, with the surrounding nations. Part of the reason why you see... um, 
You know, when you think about the conquest into the land of Canaan, where God tells Joshua to essentially mow down the surrounding nations, to put the ban um, on surrounding nations, was to preserve the identity. He didn't want, God didn't want his Jewish chosen people um, to get bound up with all of the pagan idolatry and religiosity of these surrounding nations. It was us and them, us and them. You do not fraternize with them. Like, but why? Their, their chosenness was not simply like, God loves you and hates everybody else. No, the chosenness was, um, it was deliberate. Like there was a, a uh, it was for the sake of being a magnet for the other nations that when you, read, when you read the prophet Isaiah, you see over and over again, God speaking through Isaiah that through you, my servant, I will draw all nations to myself. That Israel's mission was eventually to be like the leaven in the heart of the world to bring everyone into the worship of the one true God, the God of Israel, right? They had this eschatological destiny. They had this, Israel's destiny was to be eventually like the one, the nation through whom all nations would be blessed and through whom all would be encompassed together in the worship of God. But they forgot that over and over again. They forgot that. They became so very insular, um, erecting, you know, such big dividing walls, us and them, keep them out. So here you have Peter saying, he made, God made no distinction between us and them. It really is hard for us to fathom how staggering that is. He made no distinction between us and them. He says the same spirit fell upon them and filled them just as the spirit fell upon us and filled us. That must have been so baffling for them. The same spirit, no distinction between us and them. In other words, Peter's discerning that God's doing like a new thing, or maybe rather, he's fulfilling, he's bringing to fruition the very thing that he was always intending to do through Israel. And you got James, the apostle, uh, who agrees, and he cites, you know, the words of the prophets, this whole trajectory of Israel's fulfillment. He says, he's quoting the prophets, after this, I, Yahweh, I shall return and rebuild the fallen hut of David. What a great description for the great city of Jerusalem. It's a fallen hut after the exile. I will rebuild the fallen hut of David, and from its ruins I shall rebuild it and raise it up again, so that the rest of humanity, listen, so that the rest of humanity may seek out the Lord. That last line right there, that's the piece for, for you and I to really meditate and chew on this morning so that the rest of humanity may seek out the Lord. Because the church is the new Israel. The church is the, uh, the fulfillment of God's dream for Israel. The promises he made to Abraham way back when are fulfilled in the church. They're fulfilled in the church. We are meant to be like living lighthouses in the world. We're meant to be that city on the hill that attracts weary and beaten and broken down travelers. That's who we're meant to be. We're meant to be this attractive banquet that's inviting everyone to feast. A king threw a feast, a wedding banquet for his son and invited everyone 
Send out messengers. Go out to the highways, the byways, the hedgerows. Bring everyone in. Say, come to the feast. This is the feast. This is the feast. Our parish, in particular, is meant to be a little embassy of heaven on earth. That's what we're meant to be right here in Wadsworth. Like people living in this town, they're meant to experience the, like what is life in heaven like? Well, just go to that parish right down the road. It's called Sacred Heart. It's a little outpost of heaven on earth. It's what it's meant to be. It's what it's meant to be. We're meant to be heaven's ambassadors, bringing the life of heaven to bear on those right here around us. This is, this is so important for us, this whole notion of us and them, that we're meant to be this lighthouse that attracts people, like that this would be a place where people would seek out the Lord, right? Hear it again. So that the rest of humanity may seek out the Lord. This is going to be so important for us to think about and consider in the coming years, decades, whatever, as our, the wreckage of our culture just continues to unfold as the fallout of the sexual revolution continues to rip apart people's souls and minds, like the people who will stagger into this place as a final last-ditch effort, they're going to look really troubled. They're going to look really forlorn. They're going to look really like confused and angry and destitute. They're not going to look polished. They're not going to look like church people. They're going to look like people who, like, like the prodigal son, who wandered as far as possible away from the father's house, convinced that I will find satisfaction for my heart out there in the world. And he's sitting in the slop of the pigsty, wishing that he could eat on the food of the pigs. Those are the people who are going to wander back into our parishes, if we have this sort of embassy mindset. And when they do wander in here, they're going to look and smell like the prodigal son who was covered in pig slop. And will we have the graciousness as disciples of Jesus to wrap the robe of dignity around them? Or will we have this us versus them mindset that says, no, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You do not belong here dressed like that, acting like that, looking like that, asking questions like that. Like Peter saw, Peter saw there's no us versus them. There's no us versus them. There's only those who have met the Lord and who've been rescued by his love and those who haven't yet met the Lord, who haven't yet been rescued by his love. That, if you want, is the only us and them distinction. And like our job as Christians, as baptized Catholics, as missionary disciples, our job is to close the gap of that group and that group for the people who live in this city. That's our job. Like the people who belong to this parish, like this parish is not just simply the people whose butts fill the pews or whose envelopes hit our baskets. Like Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish is responsible for every soul of every person living in the boundaries of this parish. And when you think about it through that lens and that rubric, we have a lot of work to do. So let's do it. Amen.